0: And it's about helping our kids with OCD know they're not alone. And it's so important. It's not a fluffy topic. It's so important because if a child feels alone with their struggles with OCD, there's a domino ripple effect that happens. It impacts their ability to communicate with you about their OCD. It impacts whether they can find support, are open to support, will utilize support. And it really overall impacts their long-term success. So I'm going to talk to you about why kids feel alone, how it happens, and why it's important to help them, the domino effect, and then what to do about it so that we can start today saying, let's just make sure our kids feel less alone in their struggles with OCD. But before we get started, I want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode and helping kids um, work on OCD so they don't feel alone. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., and you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if an OCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com, treatmyocd.com. Also, just want to mention that the AT Parenting community doors are open. That is my membership community. And we are open until Thursday, September 8th, 2022, depending on when you're listening to this. And it closes on the 8th at 9pm pacific midnight eastern and so if you have been interested in the at parenting community or you want to learn more about it go to atparentingcommunity.com to see what it entails and don't dilly dally because those doors shut and they do not open until we open up our doors again which is probably going to be early winter we try to do it seasonally so and just a little information about at parenting community the at parenting community parents we have Over a thousand members in there. They get my ongoing support. They get support from other parents. We have Zoom calls. We have live classes each week. We have a member website where they have forums where they can reach me. They can talk to me. They can ask me, you know, what do you think the core fear is? What themes are? How do I address this? What are some good exposures? I'm having a problem with the school or a therapist or motivating my child. And I have ongoing dialogue with a lot of the members the forums. They also have access to all the other parents and the support with each other and our kids get support. And so speaking of not feeling alone, actually, I didn't really mean to do that, but that's perfect. Tie into this topic today. Sometimes I do things and it sounds like it's very calculated and then I'm actually more clueless than you think. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a good topic because we have support group calls for the kids. And a lot of the kids Didn't know anyone else who ever had OCD. So just sitting there listening to other kids and teens talk. We have a kids group and we have a teens group on Zoom. We actually have a buddy list too, where we connect kids based on their age, their interest, and even their struggles in location. So they can have kind of like a a modern pen pal, if you like, so that they can talk to kids in between our sessions. So check that out at atparentingcommunity.com. They also get free access as a member to a lot of my classes. And so it is a lot of bang for your buck. And it's a thing that parents join and a lot of parents stay for years because they find it, you know, it's so affordable and you get so much support for what it costs. So check it out at atparentingcommunity.com. All right. I want to talk to you about first, why kids feel alone. And I don't want to stay too long on this topic because I want to move into, I want to get to how to help them. But we have to understand just like we do with anything else. And when we do with our kids, where things come from before we jump into that. So kids can feel alone because the media portrays OCD in such a stereotypical way. And so they might have intrusive thoughts about anything that doesn't align with the media stereotype of being concerned with germs or being a neat freak or all the other stereotypes that is perpetuated in the media. and that. Hopefully it's going to get better over time, but we're not there yet. And so when a child has a different theme than those, and some of those aren't even themes, they're just stereotypes, it will make a kid feel like, you know what, my OCD is not like what the media says, or it can be stigmatizing in a different way. You know, like I have that and people make fun of that. People use it as an adjective. And so that's embarrassing. And so I feel really isolated and alone. Also, it's not talked about as much. And so a lot of kids with anxiety or OCD, although I'm focusing on OCD today, you know, are high achievers, highly intelligent. And so these are kids who often are doing really well in school and people are surprised to know they have OCD. Or you might even have relatives go, really? Are you sure? Because they seem like they're doing so well. So it is easy to mask or it's easier to mask than some other disorders. And so even though one out of 200 kids and teens have OCD, the same percentage as those with juvenile diabetes, which when I saw that, that just shocked me because it seems like juvenile diabetes is you know pretty common and OCD doesn't seem as common. And I think the difference is you can't conceal you know, a medical issue like diabetes as much as you can OCD because people don't go around with a name tag saying, hi, my name is Natasha. I have OCD. Kids don't realize how prevalent it is. And that makes them feel more alone as well. And the last one is, you know, OCD can give you very embarrassing, upsetting, intrusive thoughts or feelings that are not aligned with your belief system or your values. They're not always depending on our theme, but it can, and that can make you feel really uncomfortable and embarrassed and weird. And so you feel even more alone because you don't want to share those things. So let's talk about why it's important to help them. Obviously we don't want our kids to feel alone. So there's an obvious one, but like I said, in the introduction to this, if they feel alone, they're more likely to feel ashamed. If you think about anything that you feel alone about that, you have this problem and you don't think other people have it, it makes you feel alienated. The first thing that we do when we, well, I guess this is the first thing I do. The first thing I do when I have a problem is I Google it and I want to see where I can get that support, right? When I became a widow suddenly, you know, at the age of 48, I felt alone. I felt like I don't see other women my age, you know, suddenly losing their husband. And I had to find a community of parents who were also in the same boat. Thankfully there was one in my na- in my community, and not my neighborhood, but not very far. And it was Billy's Place, which you should Google and donate to because they're amazing. <laughs> Just a little shout out to Billy's Place in Arizona. But, you know, there were other the the whole support group were full of parents who were my age, maybe even younger, who had also lost a spouse. And so all of a sudden, I didn't feel alone. And so when we feel alone, There is this sense of embarrassment, isolation, alienation. That's not good. And when kids feel that it's an obstacle to talk about OCD, because I'm not going to talk about something that I think you don't get, or that's embarrassing. And if I don't talk to you about it as a parent, you're not privy to why I'm doing these compulsions or why I'm melting down or why I'm having difficulty, because I'm not going to tell you because I feel like you won't get it. And if I'm not sharing that information with you, it's like a domino, right? So that's one domino, you know, I feel shame or embarrassment or uncomfortableness. And then I'm not going to talk to you. Second domino, third domino is you don't know what's going on. Fourth dominoes, you may not get me help because you don't realize how severe it is until it's too late or until it's never too late, but until it, it's really, really difficult. And if I do get to a therapist, I may leave things out. I may not tell you everything because I feel alone. And so I might tell you the obvious things or the things that my parents have figured out, but I'm not going to share everything with you. And If I don't share everything with you, that weed is not being pulled at its roots. It's being pulled at the top. And it's just going to bounce right back a little water, a little, a little sun. Boom. That weed is back as strong as it ever was because you didn't really dig into the dirt and get those weeds out because I didn't want you to, because I felt alone and embarrassed. And I didn't want to Open up to you 100%. So that's the skinny on that. <laughs> I think that pretty much covers it, right? There's a lot of power in helping our kids feel alone. Now, we can do our part. So, how we help our kids feel less alone, a lot of it's going to be very concrete. And I'll talk about a lot of the resources and connecting them. But it starts at home. How do we show up for our kids' OCD? Are we afraid to use the word OCD? Now, there might be a small amount of you out there, maybe a large amount, I don't know, who don't want to tell their kids they have OCD. Maybe you say your quirks, your tics. I've heard a lot of different euphemisms. And honestly, it kind of rubs me the wrong way because I see the domino. And I feel like this is one of the first dominoes in that domino line where it's it's not going to be helpful. Because... If I am packaging this to my child as a stigma, because I want to protect them. I mean, it doesn't come from a bad thing. Most of the time from us as parents, it comes from a place of fear. It comes from a place of protection. We don't want to pathologize our kids. We don't want to stigmatize our kids. We want to protect them from the rest of the world. Maybe we're in denial, or maybe we don't want to really say it until we get a proper diagnosis and maybe our kids aren't willing to go see a provider and so we'll never really get a proper diagnosis. OCD is one of those things <laughs> that it's not really hard to spot once you know what you're looking for. And so it's it's not like you need an x-ray or an mri like OCD like when you see your child doing bizarre things and they're telling you they're having these intrusive thoughts of this, it's always 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 good to get an assessment. No CD does assessments around the world globally and you can just Go online and do it, so it's super easy. You know they do virtual, so you can go to treatmyocd.com. They sponsor the episode, so might have well looked them an extra little shout out, but it makes my life easy because there I know there are resources out there globally that are easy to tap into. But sometimes our kids don't want to do those things. Sometimes they're not willing, and then we're afraid to tell them about OCD until they get that professional diagnosis. I think learning about OCD and using the language OCD is very, very helpful because you can't fix or work on or crush or reduce what you don't know. And so if I don't fully understand OCD, then I'm not gonna be able to work on it. And if I can't say the word OCD, and I've seen this a couple of times, not not a couple, several times in my practice, more than several times in my practice where parents didn't want me to say it was OCD. And we struggled. The entire therapy struggled because of it. And then eventually sometimes when we were able to call it OCD, progress was made because I can't teach you things to make you feel less alone until I can actually use the word OCD. Okay. So we get that point. (laughs) You do you, but I'm just telling you what I think. The other thing is sometimes we also want to protect our kids from learning other themes. And I did a whole episode on this. Let me look up what the episode is. Okay, okay. it was episode 229, can my child catch other anxiety or OCD themes? So I'm not going to dive deep deep into that, but that's another thing that perpetuates aloneness is we want to stay in our lane and get tunnel vision and only focus on whatever is presenting right in front of us. So if my child has Contamination OCD and they're afraid to touch things. And I only want to deal with that. Or I've seen where kids only have moral OCD, where they feel like they're a bad person or they might do bad things or they've done bad things. And parents only want to work on that. And so they don't want to tell their kids about other themes. They get nervous maybe about their kids joining my support group, my Zoom support group, because they don't want their kids to hear other themes. So they live in this perpetual state of fear and walking on eggshells. And that's not how. We crush OCD. We have to rip off the band aid, not walk on eggshells, and we have to educate our kids on all aspects of how OCD can show up, what disguises it wears, because it serves two purposes. One, you don't know if your child has some of those themes and they feel weird about it. And so when you educate them on various themes, it gives them an opportunity to feel less alone, more normalized. And then to be forthcoming and say, I have that. I've seen in my practice where kids will have certain themes and I can tell, I could tell like what's contaminated. Sometimes it's bodily fluid with boys, especially like after puberty. And I could just tell by the way it's presenting, you know, they don't want to talk about what is contaminated and, and they're walking around, not being able to touch doorknobs or handles or certain things in their bedroom start to turn contaminated. And then the whole house is contaminated. And everyone's hitting a roadblock about what is contaminated. And they should say stuff, you know, more often than not, when I start to talk about the various things that can be contaminated, including, you know, pee or poop or bodily fluids that come out of your body in any way, and I start to normalize the different things, then kids are like, oh, I have that. Uh, And they're more open and willing to discuss it because I've normalized it. And they don't feel as weird or embarrassed or ashamed because sometimes there'll be sexual thoughts. A lot of times OCD loves sexual thoughts because it knows nobody's gonna want to talk about this. And so I can grow behind the scenes. So we want to normalize these things for our kids. And the way to help them not feel alone is educating them. And when we educate them, they're going to learn about other themes. They're going to learn about different ways OCD shows up. Same framework, intrusive thought or feeling or image, and the need to do or avoid something to get brief relief. That framework is the same regardless of the theme, but it's important for them to know the different flavors of OCD. They don't have to know all of them, but for them to know, Oh, that's my, that's an OCD thing. I didn't know I do that. Or I have that thought. The other thing is OCD is whack-a-mole. If I'm not fully educated as the kid or teen in the many ways that OCD can pop up, It might pop up in a completely different way and I may not know that that's OCD. And so we want to really educate our kids on the different ways OCD can show up. And that naturally will happen as we help them realize they're not alone in the things that I'm going to be talking about. They're going to naturally hear about other people's experiences and people who have different OCD themes. And there's a lot of benefit to that, a lot more benefit than disadvantages. The disadvantage is that OCD is an octopus and it's got tentacles and they're sticky and it puts them out there and it looks at what will stick to it. And it grabs whatever it can in its area. And it pulls it back in and makes it a theme. The problem isn't what's in the area. The problem is the octopus. It's the octopus. That's the problem. And so when we focus on what's in the area around the octopus, let's make sure the octopus has nothing to grab. We're not living in reality we're living in a bubble, which your kids can't live in a bubble. And so they might hear a teacher say something. They might hear you say something. An experience might happen. Something unpleasant might happen. And they might read something, watch something, listen to something. And boom, all of a sudden it's a huge OCD theme. And a lot of times parents get squirreled and we blame the theme. We blame the origin. You know, if they only didn't watch that show, or if I only didn't say that word, or if the teacher only didn't talk about that, they only didn't read that book. But it's the tentacle that's the problem. If the tentacle isn't there, or if it's really tiny and it doesn't have very long tentacles, or maybe you've crushed some tentacles, now we're getting gory, and there's only like three tentacles on your octopus, it's not going to be able to have a bigger reach. Maybe it's not sticky anymore because we worked on it. That's the goal. So don't get too consumed with, you know, what's in the environment that the octopus can get hooked onto, because it will. And so if your child is learning about other people's themes, yeah, is there a possibility that a tentacle will get stuck on one of them? Maybe. It doesn't often happen because a lot of the times what one child's theme is versus another child's theme is so bizarre to that kid that I used it as a learning tool as well because I could say something like, okay, we're not talking about your theme, but here's something else. Let me give you an example of how to do this skill, but using someone else's issue. And then they were able to hear about the skill and not be triggered by me using their theme and thinking, I'm not going to touch that. She's not going to make me touch that. If I use something totally different, they actually can learn the skill. And so if I'm talking about something that is related to something that is their theme, yeah, that might be their new flavor for a few weeks or a month, but that's not the problem. The problem is that there was a tentacle there. Okay. I think I, I think I overdone the point, but you get what I mean. So we want to expose them to information about OCD. And you can do this in lots of different ways. Number one are books, right? So there are tons of books on OCD for kids and teens. And I will actually leave a link to my favorite ones or the the most common ones in the show notes and on my website. But you know, some of my favorite ones are like what to do when your brain gets stuck by Dawn Huebner. And then she came up with a new one, although it doesn't, specifically talk about OCD, even though it's really good for OCD, outsmarting your worries. And then for younger kids, practicing practice, being brave is a good one. And then for teens and young adults, uh, everything is an emergency, which is a, it's done in kind of like a memoir comic type of book. I don't know how to describe it, but I will leave you links to all those books and other books as well. There's lots of good OCD works books that's a great way to normalize it because kids and teens will say, wow, this happens enough that it's in a book and they'll give lots of examples, lots of different themes, lots of different thoughts. And that helps because kids can see how OCD can show up in many different ways. So one, it might resonate with them. Oh my gosh, there's another person who has, you know, bad thoughts about being a bad person. That's just like me. Or they might say, oh my gosh, I didn't know that evening yourself out, you know, having to do something with your left hand and then your right was OCD. I've done that forever. Oh my gosh, they have favorite numbers and bad numbers. So do I. So just in reading these things and doing a workbook or reading just a regular book, the examples will help normalize your child and make them feel less alone. They can also watch YouTube videos. And so I have a whole YouTube channel, which I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. I'll do a whole like link of all my resources because a lot of times kids will write in the comments. I feel like you're talking right to me, or I didn't know other people had this. I'm looking at all the comments. The kid is saying this and I realize I'm not alone. That's huge, right? I mean, it's common enough that they made a YouTube video about it and YouTube is helpful because that's kind of where kids digest information and they feel like it's valid. <laughs> I know that's scary. but you know, sometimes we can use that for our benefit where, you know, go where the kids are. I haven't gone to TikTok yet and I don't think I ever will, but YouTube. Yeah. Right. Because my kids don't watch TV. They watch YouTube and that's, we have to go to where they are. And so YouTube videos can be really helpful. I'm um, support groups. See, you know, go to iocdf.org and see if they have any kids support groups in your area or talk to your therapist and see if they have a support group. Or if they'd be willing to form one. Uh, maybe they have four or five kids they're treating with OCD, and maybe they'd be willing to do a support group if they knew there was interest. You can join my support group at atparentingcommunity.com. We offer uh, support groups monthly for parents, and monthly for teens, and monthly for kids. And that's another way to just normalize that experience. You can search articles with famous people who have OCD. There are a lot of good articles, and just type in in Google. You know, famous people with OCD, and you'll get many articles listing people who are famous who struggle with OCD. And then you want to find the person that would really resonate with your kid and say, Do you know so and so has OCD? And then you're really helping normalize it and making them feel less alone. And that can be really helpful. The last one is take classes. You know, if you can help your kid by realizing that they're not alone, there's online classes for OCD that can be helpful too. So the first step in helping our kids with OCD in general is trust and communication. And I do, I have this free series that I do twice a year. I'm not doing it right now, but it'll come out in November and it is survival tools for kids with anxiety and OCD. And I talk about how to create a therapeutic home environment in that free series. Maybe you've taken it before. And the first ingredient is trust and communication. And without those things, it's very hard. You can make progress, but it's, it's like walking through mud. It's a lot harder. When you are having a, open communication, everything goes smoother. And so it starts with helping your child feel like they're not alone. And so a lot of times the barrier that the parents are coming up against is embarrassment. It's like you're trying to open a door and like you can't open the door. And the thing that's lying on the door, on the other side of the door, is embarrassment, shame, you know, uncomfortableness? And so taking steps to normalize that is important. So if you're seeing like anytime you bring up OCD, you get this huge wall, whether it be an anger wall or a shutdown, like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, kind of wall. You want to take a step back and instead of trying to hit the wall with your axe and hammer it down, hammer it down with the wax axe. You know, this is like the fifth time I started to record this episode. <laughs> True story. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to record this because this is my fifth attempt. Every time I would like record it, I would say something weird. And and then the exterminator came. It's been a very long process. I've been sitting here for quite a while, even though you're only in 25 minutes. And part of it is I'm not, I can't speak today. <laughs> I don't normally rerecord, but then the exterminator came and then the dog was barking and I started off doing anxiety and OCD and I didn't want to do that. I decided I'd just do OCD for this episode and it's been a long morning and it's my birthday today and I'm sitting here, uh, spending it with you. So thank you for that. But what could be a 30 minute episode has been hours, <laughs> a little behind the scenes annoyance. So I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> But find people who are famous. That can be very helpful. I don't know if that's where I was at. You probably do because you're listening to this in a succinct fashion, and I am not. But it can be so, I was talking about communication and trust. It can be so helpful if our kids are able to feel like we're a safe place and that OCD isn't something to be embarrassed about and that it's something we wanted to discuss. I always say to kids that the first defense that OCD has is to keep you silent. And the more you're silent and you can't talk about it, the more powerful OCD can get. And so I was talking about the (laughs) ax. It will come back. That's what, that's how it works in dementia land. And so, yeah, we don't want to bulldoze that wall. We want to have a little bit more tact. And so I want to try to figure out why that wall is there. And is it because they're embarrassed? Sometimes it's because you're over pushing and you've been pushing, 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 and maybe they were. Willing at one point, and then you were just like too overzealous and doing exposures and pushing things too much, talking about OCD too much, calling out OCD too much, being the OCD police. And your kid was like, Ugh, you know, put up the wall. And that was the end of that. But for a lot of parents, they never even got to start because the wall had been permanently up. And those kids are more likely struggling with feeling embarrassed or alone or uncomfortable with the idea. Maybe if they're perfectionistic, this is another imperfection that they don't want to admit. And our job is to talk about how it's not an imperfection, you know, that we all have things, we all have stuff. So we want to normalize it. And yours happens to be OCD. I start with superpowers of OCD when I, when I first do my sessions and I talk about, let's just talk about the things that come with OCD. Nobody signs up for OCD, but I just want to talk to you about the superpowers that come with OCD. And then go into, you know, most people with OCD are highly intelligent. You know, they're out of the box thinkers, they're creative, you know, highlighting those type of things and say, we just want to get rid of the stuff that's holding you back. And those are the intrusive thoughts and feelings and the compulsions or avoidance that you need to do in order, or you feel like you need to do in order to get that brief relief. That's the only thing we're going to work on. The rest of you is, is sparkly, right? We just want to get the dust off. So hopefully, this has inspired you to kind of reassess, does your child feel alone or not? And even if you think they don't, it's never too much to do the things I talked about to, you know, read a book or watch a YouTube video. And it's okay to offer incentives. I would say to my kids, you know, you can earn blah, blah, blah. If you read this book, or if you watch this video, because just being a passive observer and digesting information is huge. It's powerful. It is the beginning of a journey and you want to keep doing it. I'm going to actually make my kids take my OCD class. (laughs) I was just telling my daughter this yesterday and I was like surprised. I was really happy that she didn't give me any pushback because she's getting older. She's 10 now. And I thought she might give me a little pushback because I said to her, I just created a class for kids and teens. What do I call it? (laughs) I had hummed and hot about the, the name of it. I think it's just crushing OCD for kids and teens. I got really creative as evidenced by my title. And so it's done and it's coming out September 29th, I think is the day that it will be coming out. You can get on the wait list for it. And you can get on the wait list at AT Parenting Survival slash P slash. Okay, that's that's just ugly. Just go to AT Parenting Survival.com and you'll see it there. And you just click on it and then it'll take you to the sign up, the wait list. I'll leave a link in the show notes too. But I said to her, you know, my class is done and I want you to, I want you to take the class. And even though I know that you know about OCD, I just want to make sure that you fully understand all the ways it can show up and how to crush it and how to crush it long-term. It's under two hours. And so I was saying to her, you know, you just have to watch it for like 20 minutes a day and you'll be done in like four days. And she's like, okay, mom. And I was honestly shocked because I thought she would kind of give me some pushback and be like, I don't take your class. or I know everything about OCD because even though I assume my kids know everything about OCD, they'll often surprise me. I was doing uh, a presentation with my 10 year old at the IOCDF conference. And we were preparing for it. And I was talking about ERP and she said, what's ERP. And I my, my jaw dropped because I'm like, you're my kid. Where did I fail you? How can you not know what ERP is? And for those of you that are listening, it's, Exposure with response prevention, it's like the gold standard therapy approach for OCD. And it's something I talk ad nauseum about everywhere. But she just had never heard of ERP. We normally talk about, did you do your exposure? So there are a lot of things that I feel like my kids, even my kids who are hearing this all the time, they're missing in the gaps. And so I want them to take my class because they're more likely to listen to my class than they are to me. I know that's so weird. But that's filling in the gaps. Like I want to make sure that she knows everything and that she's not alone. And I'm not assuming that just because she has been in therapy and she's been hearing it from me that she is getting that solid stuff. So we always want to go back and reinforce all the skills and all, you know, the, the tools that we are using to crush OCD. So do that for your own kids. If you're interested in my new class, that is coming out, um, September 29th, get on the wait list. The wait list will get a special discount for three days when it comes out. So definitely worth being on the wait list. I will leave a link in the show notes or you can go to at parenting I have had class and the cool thing about that class. So I, I was going to say, I've had classes for parents. I have one on how to teach your kids to crush OCD, how to teach your kids to crush anxiety. Cause I'm so big about empowering parents. And I have one that's directly for kids and adults on how to crush social anxiety, but I've never had a class on just teaching kids how to crush OCD, which I know is weird, but I think it's because I come from this angle of wanting to work with you guys to empower you to help your kids directly. That's really where my passion is, but I got a new spark of passion in the last year of wanting to actually talk to your kids. Like I would talk to a kid in my practice and just walk them through exactly what I know will help them in a very succinct, short way, entertaining way so that I can get them the skills they need in the shortest amount of time. So I made it under two hours, but I am very excited about this class. The other cool thing about it that I was going to mention is I got 12 kids who volunteered and were part of the AT parenting community. I actually think some of them are from maybe my public Facebook group. I think most of them are from the 18 parenting community though. And they helped me build this class. So I interviewed all of them and they talk about their themes and their struggles. They talk about how they crush OCD, how they use exposures. And so there's something magical about hearing it from other kids versus just me. So I am excited about that component of the class. And that's why I wanted my daughter to take it. And so, cause I think it'll be more powerful and it makes kids feel less alone when they're learning these things and they're learning them from other kids or, and I try to get like a full range of young kids all the way up to teenagers so that, you know, nobody feels like I'm not talking to them. And so I think that will be really helpful too, in providing a resource to make kids realize that they're not alone. So check that out. I'll leave a link in the show notes. It's at parenting or actually, you know what? I did make a link that was easy. The waitlist is at parenting, survival series.com slash OCD. <laughs> so I'll leave both. I don't want to confuse you. I'll leave both links below. I hope that you're enjoying my podcast. And if you are, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. If you want to take a few extra minutes and write a review, I greatly appreciate it. And to show my appreciation, I like to read one of them. Um, I want to thank Chris for writing such a great resource. My 13 year old was recently diagnosed with OCD. I stumbled upon this podcast and I was desperately searching for resources, support and guidance, navigating this new reality that we're working through as a family. And the first episode I listened to, I immediately felt like, wow, I'm not alone. Oh my gosh. This is so related to this episode. It's funny. I'm so grateful to have this tool. As I walk alongside my son in his OCD, I can't say thank you enough for sharing honest, real life help for parents who feel in over their head. I love that you are specific and candid in the topics you share. Thanks a million. Thank you. And that was like, that's like perfectly aligned with what we talked about today. Like as parents, we don't want to feel alone either. So, so funny. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And maybe I'll be reading your review next time. Take care. Bye-bye.